Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. What's up, everybody? April 13th edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Make sure you do follow me online at Showdown Joe. Of course, my guest uh, on Thursdays, Frank Trigg, all the way from Hawaii. We've got to say good morning. Give him a follow at Frank Trigg uh, on his social media. Frank, uh, I got my Toronto Maple Leafs jersey or T-shirt on. Obviously, the Leafs are playing tonight against the Washington Capitals. Uh, I don't expect him to win at least one game. I mean, hopefully one, but best team in the league. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I see something on your face there. You got some scruff going on there or what? Yeah, about a week's growth right now, coming back. Had to shave again. When I shave again? I think right after we did our episode last week, I had to shave again. So it's about a week right now. Just trying to get the scrub back, try to grow back to a full, luxurious beard. It's going to take me a couple months. But a full, it. luxurious beard. Yeah. yeah. Only to have it shaved off again if you have to do another rule like you did last time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a prostitute in that sense. That you think enough money, I'll pretty much do anything. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to get your thoughts on a variety of issues because uh, UFC 210, uh, you were one of the parties uh, I was going back and forth with, with some of the debacles uh, that went on. Uh, obviously, the big one would be the Gagard, Musasi, uh, and Chris Weidman situation. Obviously, Frank, for those, for those of you that don't know, Frank is a certified referee judge uh, and does a variety of, uh, of refing, uh, some pretty big fights, obviously, with Bellator. Hopefully, will be in the UFC uh, very, very soon. Um, so many... Eyeballs were on that pay-per-view watching, uh, obviously, in the arena. Uh, I, I knew what the answer was, in my opinion, right away. I confirmed with you. Uh, you agreed. Uh, Big John McCarthy was there. Uh, but I want to walk through a bunch of things. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, if you are on, if you're tuned in live with us right now, don't forget, uh, we do have the live chat open on the screen there, on the right-hand side of your screen. So make sure... If you have any questions or comments or, or anything, suggestions for Frank and I, I will endeavor to get to them uh, as we move along in this podcast. Frank, before we get to the Weidman and Musasi situation, I do want to talk about Implant Gate uh, with Pearl Gonzalez. Uh, that was that was crazy from a whole variety of perspectives, but is that the first time you've ever come across something like that where a, where a fight was basically on the line because uh, a participant had breast implants? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the first time I've heard of that happening um, because there's so many medical checks, there's so much stuff you have to do before you even show up that they would have known that Pearl had implants and if it was illegal, they would have said something. When they're, when they're trying to match the fight up. Because remember, once you once you have your fight matched up as a promotion, you have to turn it into the commission. So the commission has to really look at it and go, hey, you know, uh, CM Punk can't fight John Jones. It'd be, it'd be a, a highly watched fight, but it's a complete mismatch, mismatch. So it doesn't, they can't put that fight together. The commission won't allow it. So the commission sees these fights in, in you know, in front. And so they're going to ask, there's a certain number of questions they ask before um, you even approach them with a fight. My assumption is, if it's if it's illegal for women to have breast implants, they're going to mention that uh, when they when they submit this the, that fight uh, matchup, and they're going to go, well, then one of the girls has implants, they can't fight. I'm not sure, but I want to say Ariel Hawani broke the story, but I'm not positive. That's why I saw it first, and it, it it didn't ring really true to me when he was like, oh, fights off because she has breast implants. I'm like, there's so many things that go on before the fight even gets announced because it has to be approved for the, by New York, 
that you would have assumed somebody would have got through that all the way, all the way done. And then it didn't come out until after weigh-in. So how do they not find this out, you know, before weigh-ins even happen? Like this is, they get all the way through now with the fight. The fight's actually official. It's not really official until you weigh in. Now we've weighed in. Now the fight's official. Now it's off. Like that didn't make any sense. I think, and I'm not, I'm not positive because New York is a new commission. So I'm not sure how they run it, but a lot of states, the commission for boxing and MMA is the same commission. It's the, it's the same uh, 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 chief, right? So like Nevada, it's run by the same person. Nevada uh, for MMA and boxing in Nevada, it's run by the same person. California, it's got two two branches, right? And uh, Andy Foster runs MMA, so they have a separate separate deal for boxing. I think that might be an old boxing rule that's on the on the books in New York, but it's not an MMA rule because the MMA commissioner came out and goes, I don't never heard of that. I don't know what you're talking about. Like we're you know, it's, it's totally fine. And then, of course, Dana White comes out and blasts on Twitter, like, unless we say it's off, it's not off. So, and the fight, of course, is we all saw when, when, uh, when I had his plan. But it was really weird to have something like that stop it. And, and the whole thing is, like, worrying about it rupturing by getting punched in the chest and, and having it rupture. Um, I can understand that point, but it takes a lot of force to make that happen. And, uh, and I don't think any, any woman, uh, even at a heavyweight level, is going to be able to hit hard enough to, to pop it. But I'm not a doctor, so I don't, I don't really know. Well, then it brings us over to the Chris Weidman and Gegard Mousasi debacle. Uh, that, that was a debacle, uh, and I, I don't want to point fingers you know, necessarily at Dan Rigliotta, uh, but in the end, if there was an error, because there's a couple things that went through my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the knees were legal. There's the whole instant replay situation that all of a sudden says that the, the news came out that the, the referees are allowed to use instant replay in New York, but it's not official in the rules, which confuses the whole process uh, even more. Uh, but Big John McCarthy did tell Dan Mergliata that the knees were legal and there was already a doctor in the cage. Now, in my my situation or my, or my assumption was the minute I got word, if I'm the referee, the minute I got word that those knees were legal, that doctor needs to get out of the cage immediately. He has no business being in there, whether the fighter's concussed or not. But if the doctor wants to stop the fight, the official announcement is, according to the doctor, yeah. based on the doctor, blah, blah, it's stoppage. The announcement from Bruce Buffer was, Dan Mergliata stopped the fight due to TKO. That confuses this whole thing altogether. So walk me through what, what was going through your mind, because uh, I'm not going through the text that you wrote me. Uh, yeah. Walk me through that what went through your mind when all that was going on all the way up until the end. So Dan Riggiotta was 100% correct in his, in his stopping it from the original point because from his vantage point, it looked like both hands were down, okay? So, of course, he stops the illegal blow. He gives uh, Gagard a talking to, you know, but Gagard, you know, props to him, lift, lift him up. You know, we all saw it. He lift him up, knee him in the face, so it makes it legal. Bring the doctor in because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, uh, uh, they take a look at the fighter. And then, of course, the conversation with the fighter, you know, how you doing? How many fingers do I have up? Depending on what the injury is, you know, that whole mess. And then uh, uh, during that time, Dan gets, you know, John calls Dan over and says, hey, come here, look at the replay. It's legal, all right? So Dan then has a, has a point where he you kind of see him like, hey, he goes up and tells the doctors, hey, the fight's legal. Or the knees are legal. Chris, those knees are legal. Um, it's, a, it's a legal blow. Like, you know, you still have five minutes. Um. That's not true. You don't have five minutes when you get injured. You only have five minutes when you get uh, kicked in the testicles. When you get a groin shot, that's the only time you have five minutes. That's the only time there's a, a timeline on what you have going on. Uh, when you get kneed in the head, you have as much time as, as the ref wants to kind of give you. You know, um, Five minutes is always a good rule because if you can't recover within five minutes from any kind of blow, then the fight's going to be over anyway. Like if you're not recovered from that at that point, we got to stop the fight. Uh, so Dan is trying to get politely – because he's a very polite man. It's, for his size, you think he'd be a little more gruff, but he's very polite. He's trying to like kind of coax the doctors out of the out of the cage. The doctors are like having this, this conversation now. Mind you, Dan is mic'd, puts his hand over his chest, so you can't hear what's actually being said. And then uh, when he's talking to Chris in the very beginning, and then uh, uh, he's talking to the doctors, it's the same thing again. He's trying to get the doctors out of the, out of the ring. At some point, because um, I DVR'd it, kept replaying, kept replaying it again. At some point. Chris said he couldn't continue. Now, once you say that to the doc, it makes no difference when, where, what happened, what's going on now within the fight. Fight's done. And it's Same not a thing doc. if you say it to the ref. If you say it to the ref, I can't continue. Fight over. Well, he, I think he said to the doctors when, when Dan was out running around talking to the guard and talking outside. 
And then, because then the doctor's like, hey, he said he can't continue. Because that's their conversation. Because remember, there's two doctors and they're having this conversation. This is my, this is what I, what I understand right now. Now, mind you, a whole new thing can come out after you get done, get done with this. So what happens now is that Chris says, hey, I can't continue or something along those lines. Then fight's done. Now, he's believing it's illegal. These knees are illegal when he says it, right? The knees are illegal. So he's saying, hey, hey, I can't continue. So now all of a sudden, uh, uh, he's hoping that Gagar's going to get, you know, he's going to win the fight and Gagar's going to gonna take a loss because it was a legal knee. Then he finds out after, hey, it's legal. Now all of a sudden, Chris is like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I want to go. I want to go. I'm good. I'm good. But it's like saying, hey, I can't see. If you ever tell a doctor or a referee, hey, I can't see, the, the automatically, if, if you go to, a, if you get an eye poke, and, and uh, the referee comes in and he goes, hey, how are you? He goes, hey, I can't see. Immediately the doctor's coming in, take a look at the eye. You tell a doc, hey, I can't see, fight's done. He can't see, fight's over. You said it, it's not my fault, you said it. So Chris, had, I, I believe Chris had said, hey, uh, uh, um, I, don't think I, I don't think I continue uh, or I'm not ready to continue or whatever it is. Like there was a, 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 something said to the doctors to make them believe that he's like, he said he can't continue. And then the moment he gets told, hey, it's, hey, the knees are legal, he's like, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, I want to go, I want to go. But it's too late, depending on the doctor. Some doctor's like, I'm sorry, did you say you can't continue? Because you understand, if you say that, I have to stop the fight. Like, they talk you through it before they actually make the decision. And some doctors are like, nope, that's, all, that's what he said, we're done. And they just end the fight. So it, sometimes you have to, it's, it depends on the personality of the doctor and how a doctor wants to handle it. But at that point now, it's not a, it's not a doctor stoppage, which, which would have been announced uh, if the doctor had stopped it, Chris had stopped it. So that's also why it's going to be very hard for them to appeal. Because when they appeal, they're going to bring the doctors back in. The doctors would say, no, he said he couldn't continue. And that's it. Like, there's nothing to appeal. Because you said you can't do this anymore. The fight is off. And so I feel bad for, for Gagard. And I feel bad for Chris. Both guys came to fight. Both guys planned to put this together. Both guys walked out there to, to fight as hard as possible. And Gagard, uh, 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 you know, was on his way back, was coming back. And because his knees were legal, he put, he put Chris in a bad way. We all have to admit uh, uh, those knees were legal or illegal. Both landed flush, and Chris is now in a bad way. It, it doesn't matter whether he was winning the fight up to this point or if he was losing the fight up to this point. He he got smashed by those two knees. So really, the fight that happened before the knees doesn't really mean anything anymore because Gagar, in my mind, Gagar was getting was kind of getting schooled up a little bit by Chris. Then you get into now these knees, which are a game changer. We all know that's why we throw punches and strikes because it can change the tide of the fight. The fight gets changed. Now Chris is in a bad way. He is now on a down slope. And he, what is that? Now it's his third loss. He was, he was trying to stop his third loss from happening. He was on to two at that point. Uh, and so, you know, as a fighter, he's like, look, I got to make sure I win this fight because I'm, I'm used to be the champ. And now I'm on the chopping block if I lose this fight. Three fight, three fight loss. You know, it's like, how much longer are they going to keep me around? And let me get the five losses? Or are they going to cut me at four losses? Like, what's going to happen with me now at this point? So I'm sure a lot of that was going through his head. And it's, it's a difficult situation, man, because he was trying to keep his hands down. He was trying to keep his hands down. Uh, uh, and he just got pulled up. And he got knee in the face. And so now, um, in my personal opinion, I think that if Dan hadn't stopped the fight and had deemed that those knees were legal, Gagarda would have started having his way with Chris because he was not loopy. And then I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how skilled you are you are not going to be able to start to fight back when you're that loopy as effectively as you were the 30 seconds before. So now it's a guy can start taking over and might even finish it, might have finished it by uh, KO or TKO anyway. You know, we, we'll never know that, but that's what I'm saying. You know, these things going to go to a factor. So I feel bad for both guys because this fight was great. and was on its way to be an amazingly super hyped fight. And then now we're stuck with, with uh, uh, Chris on, uh, on the way out and, uh, and your guard moving up the ranks. And that's just how, how it works when you have these fights. But they're not definitely not letting Chris go. I can't see them, you know, cutting Chris out entirely. That's just crazy. Uh, I'm going to follow up with one question regarding that in a second. I just want to say what's up to everybody. Um, am I coming through with your phone there? Or nothing? No. Okay, sorry. Uh, I want to say what's up uh, to everyone on the uh, live chat. Uh, Roy Soria says, sup, Shodan Joe. What's up, my man? Uh, I will get to Casey Walton's question in a second. Uh, but, Frank, I, I do want to follow up um, regarding what you said and, and the whole situation with Musashi and Weidman. So Musashi obviously said in the post press conference that Chris was, was trying to cheat the rules. He was trying to play the rules, uh, trying to cheat. And he got caught for it. He got nailed in the head twice with two knees. Considering there were A, legal blows, you're saying, I'm saying, people are saying Chris Weidman was on his way out. We don't know for sure. I mean, you, right. you can't really throw a what if in there. But based on what we saw there, he was 
you know, on his way to losing that fight. Then he says he cannot continue. Now, whether he cannot continue because uh, he feels that he was cheated or cannot continue for real because he's dazed and confused uh, is, is the other argument there. But based on all this, should we have a rematch with these two or, or no? Musashi won fair and square. He moves up. Wyman's got to fight someone else. As a fan, I would love to see a rematch. I would love to see a rematch with these two guys. But the reality of it is, is that Gagard has kind of been pushed aside for long enough. He, he's, he's at the point now where he's like, look, I'm, I've been winning. I'm on, a, I'm on a, this, this uh, now five-fight win streak, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. He's, he's turned his way through. Like He needs to be moved up to figure out what the hell is going to happen at the weight class. And they're, they're hamstringing in the weight class. We've talked about this before. They're hamstringing it by having the, the Bisbing GSP fight. Um, I mean, it's pretty pretty well known that, that uh, uh, you know, the odds makers, you and I, like everyone is, is like, you know, Bisping versus Yo Romero is the fight that should be happening, and Yo Romero is going to win that fight pretty easily. You know, it's just one of those one of those deals. But now Gagard is now stuck down here at this space where he was five, just beat number four. You got to move up to four, maybe even up to number three, depending on how things look. But he's still in the game. He's still, you know, in the top top four or five guys. He's he's one fight away from being in a title hunt. Um, um, he's one injury away or one or one booking where somebody else is booked up. He's away from from being in a title hunt. Like he's very close to this point. If in the fight, Chris again does nothing for him. Because it's four versus five. It doesn't move him up any, any ranks. He loses, he goes back on the five. He wins, he still stays at four. So why have the rematch? So from a guard standpoint, I get it, why he doesn't want to have the rematch and why he wants to move on. Of course, we all know, understand why Chris wants to rematch because it makes complete sense for him to go out there and fight and, and, and try to get that win back. Uh, but Gagard's kind of in the, in, the, in the position to go to do whatever he wants at this point. They go, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, you have to move me up. I'm not fighting Chris again. But, you know... Gagard is no longer, as of right now, at this moment in time, at the, at the moment we're doing this, he's not on a contract with UFC. His last fight is his last fight. That's it. So they're in the middle of the negotiation process. If they go, look, here's your pay raise, and it's a significant pay raise, but you got to fight Chris Weidman, <laughs> he's going to take it. He's going to sign it. He'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll take the you know, because Gagard ultimately at the end of the day is a fighter. He's not going to duck a fight or not take a fight if that's what's going to cost him money for his family. That's the whole point of him fighting so much is that he wants to make money for his family. So I hope it comes out to rematch. I would love to see it as a fan. Like, I think that fight would be great to watch again. And honestly, the way that Chris was winning and the way that Kagari came back, and then the controversy at the end, it leaves us all kind of hollow. We all want to, we all want to have a, like, a decisive ending to it. Uh, guys, live chat, make sure you get your questions and comments up there. There's one up from Casey Walton, which I'll read momentarily. If, you're, if you are watching live, top right of your screen, it says live chat. Uh, any of your thoughts, questions, and comments, I will try and get to them uh, with Frank. Um, you mentioned that um, Gegard is a free agent. I penned, uh, I put together a piece for FightfulMMA.com, uh, the black, the white, uh, and the gray uh, of this whole negotiation between the UFC, Dana White, Gegard Musasi, and his camp. Uh, and no pun intended, I know black, white, Dana White, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Casey Walton brings up a, a, a cool what if. Racist, Joseph. Just racist. <laughs> if you're the UFC and can only keep one while the other person goes to Bellator, who are you keeping and investing in? Musashi or Jacare? Um, Musashi. Simply because Jacare's English isn't very good. That's the only flaw. Um, both guys are amazingly good athletes. Both guys are really good fighters in different ways. Uh, Jacare obviously is the more explosive, um, uh, can get to a submission a lot quicker. I mean, he's obviously got an amazingly good submission game. Um, but the UFC is not in that position. Which is the cool thing about it? The UFC's got yeah. more money than he's got more money than God, so they can go. We'll, we'll keep them both, and they'll find a way to keep both because that, because those are two good fighters you want to have on your roster. Either one of them goes to goes to Bellator. They're, they're running the they're running the division. They're taking over. There's nothing anybody can really catch them up. Um, but the UFC's gonna keep both those guys for sure. There's no way they let them go. This is not gonna happen. Jacare has got a pretty good scrap this weekend against Robert Whitaker. Uh, that's the fight for me uh, this weekend. That's the one I definitely want to see. Uh, I want to ask you a question before we get to this UFC Kansas card. Sean Ross Sapp and I yesterday were discussing a few different things that potentially the UFC can do, uh, or at least the new ownership can do, or I keep saying new ownership, the current ownership uh, can do uh, 
to build certain things. There was a time when Spike was going to do, before the Ultimate Fighter, they were going to do a show called The American Promoter or American Promoter, where they were going to follow Dana White and the UFC and just the behind-the-scenes look of what the day-to-day operations are for, quote-unquote, an American promoter. And I brought up the fact that they could do more than just Dana White, just follow a guy like Lex McMahon as well. Uh, he does all kinds of things that you would never believe a, a guy has to do to run off a successful promotion like Titan FC. Um, this Musashi and Dana White negotiations would be just just that episode alone or that miniseries alone would be absolutely fantastic. The second thing that we had brought or that Sean Ross Sapp had brought up was, you know, actually, you know what? Let, let, I'll get to the second thing in a moment when we get to the UFC Kansas card. Do you, but you do think this American promoter show now would be a fantastic idea to see what it's like to be behind the scenes of the UFC? No. <laughs> and this is because it's going to ruin it's going to ruin the, the the image it's going to ruin the, the magic of how these negotiations go on like we all think at home oh Dana's on the phone with with uh, Gagar and they're arguing and yelling oh I want 10% and 3% I want pay-per-view numbers and give me a brand new Rolls Royce and I want to be like Conor McGregor and be this whole thing going back and forth and it's really like a text message an email and it's between the manager in this case Nima and, and Dana White getting the deal done it goes back and forth Nima's a lawyer He's, you know, Dana, Dana gives a couple of thoughts, but then you end up talking to the lawyers at the, at the UFC. You don't really, it's really not what everyone thinks it is when you go through these negotiations. It's all attorneys talking to attorneys and then trying to get these contracts done, trying to get the numbers. And then when you get the, a number hitch, you go back to Dana and go, hey, look, he wants this amount. And then when you get, you know, when you get the name on the name, he goes, okay, here's the number. He goes, do your guard and goes, hey, this is the number they're offering you. What do you want to do? And he's like, I, I don't want more. And then Nemo goes, hey, I think we should get more. Or, hey, I should think we should get less. Or, or whatever his opinion is. And the guard usually listens to it and it goes back to the attorneys. So it's all the attorneys working out with a very few things going on between uh, uh, back to Dana, back to the guard. But the guard and Dana hardly ever get in conversation unless it gets stuck. Unless there's a real stop, then Dana will go reach out to the fighter and go, hey, look, I'm trying to get this deal done. Let's get this deal done. Uh, but your manager's like hamstring. He'll always blame the manager. The manager's hamstring. The manager's sitting on it. It's really not that much fun. It's really not. It's kind of like, it's like everyone thinks being, you know, being in the FBI is awesome. Like, you know, being in the CIA is awesome. And it's really just mounds and mounds and mounds and mounds of research and reading and Googling and paperwork. And that's all it is. So it's like we look at these movies like, oh, my God, James Bond is incredible. Oh, my God, look, look how greedy is 007. But the reality of it is like, dude, this is just stupid. <laughs> like this is really, really, really boring. And that's kind of what it would be like. The American promoter portion of it would be great or would have been great at the time. One, because no one understood what was going on at all. And two, Dana was on like a 50-state tour trying to get uh, MMA and UFC booked to the top, and he was going crazy. Now he doesn't do that as much. He's not out as much. He doesn't need to be. The UFC is he, – he spent a lot of time doing it back then, and now it's a, it's, a, it's an icon. Like, you talk to anybody, you know, uh, uh, you, can almost, you can almost ask them – unfortunately in America, I know, I know the hockey playoffs are going on right now, but in America you're going to ask them, you know uh, – uh, they may not know what weight the champ is at, but they'll be able to name two of the champs in the UFC, even if they're not diehard fans. They'll be able to name two of the champs in the UFC. And it's not, and they might even watch it. They might only be casual watchers. They'll only get on USA Today or get on a, 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 a Fightful MMA maybe once in a while to look at, look at some results. So it's like now the American promoter thing doesn't really work with Dana. With a guy like Lex, I think it works because he has a, he's more involved, and it really is him talking to the fighters or him talking to like a whole team. He's talking to American top team all at once or talking to the black zillions all at once. Like he's got direct access to all these guys because he's in Southern Florida. So I think for like a Lex type, this, that's a genius idea is to put it on for someone like that. Uh, or you got to follow somebody different. Around. You know, it's like, it, you know, cause it's like, uh, uh, we're already kind of seeing it. Uh, what's the one with, uh, Din Thomas, Matt, Sarah and Dana White, uh, the YouTube uh, looking for a fight, looking for a fight. It's pretty much what American promoter is. That's like kind of what Dana does. He goes and watches a bunch of fights. And really, if it wasn't for the antics of them, of them driving cars around some some compound or or getting on motorcycles and stuff and going to Sturgis, that which has nothing to do with being a promoter, has absolutely nothing to do with with the part of, the, of what we're talking about. Otherwise, it's like it's kind of a boring situation. You just want to watch fights again. It's like another. And how many fights does Dana watch live? Like you, you know, like at this point, he's even getting bored watching all these fights. It's just getting too much. So like. With, with like a Dana Dwight, I don't think it works. I don't think it works anymore just because of, of what the antics what goes on and what they'd have to hide and what you can't see legally, what they have going on in the background now, especially with, with uh, uh, WMG Endeavor, you know, taking over. But with like, a, like I said, with a Lex type, oh, they'd be awesome to watch him do it. 
Frank Trigg, ladies and gentlemen, is a buzzkill and an idea killer. So I, I respectfully disagree. I think it'd be fantastic, but uh, that's why he's on to disagree with me. Uh, guys, live chat. Don't forget, uh, get your thoughts and questions and, and comments up there. Uh, we will get to them uh, as we continue the show. Uh, Graham Williams actually posted something it was yesterday or the day before. One of the biggest fightful MMA supporters. Uh, he does a lot of our graphics. Um, or post a lot of stuff up there uh, on social media, uh, pose the question I wasn't able to answer. And I'll, I'll ask you this question uh, because Dana White mentioned that, you know, the New York State Athletic Commission, we all know, is relatively new when it comes to mixed martial arts. Uh, and it feels like they've got, you know, the, the UFC and the sport, whenever they go to New York, has gone back to 2001 every time they have an event in New York. So Graham had mentioned with all these situations and debacles that are happening in New York, do you think the UFC will shy away from having events in New York State? and I didn't have a chance to answer it. And my answer is, oh, hell no. The amount of money that they spent to sanction and regulate uh, mixed martial arts in New York State, they have to make that money back. And the only way to really make that money back is to continue to have events in New York State, but just more work needs to be done with the Mark Ratners of the world uh, and, and the commission to make sure that they operate uh, you know, the way Vegas and California does. What say you, sir? 100% agree with you, 100%. 17,000 fans in Buffalo, $2 million gate. That's just a drop in the bucket of how much they spent to get things going. I forget what they did in Madison Square Garden. Maybe it was a $3 million gate or something or a $2.5 million gate. It wasn't, it's not astronomical, but it's, it's, they're trying to get their money back. The thing is, is that I don't think it's going to be pay-per-views anymore. I think it's going to be fight nights. <clears throat> they're going to downgrade the shows that they show up in New York with. And they're going to go to like Syracuse. Albany, you know, let's start going to save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink or Arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So start turning going to different spots throughout the state <clears throat> because I don't think the commission, so it's like anything else. Remember the first time, uh, you guys probably remember, the first time I ever commentated uh, for real was with Ryan Bennett in a WC show. He just called me up and said, hey, drive up to the, I was living in LA. He said, drive up. Uh, at that time, it was called HCNet, which is now Access Television. And I get thrown on the mic and, I get, and I've never done it before. And I've got to get dragged through this thing. And Ryan Bennett has to carry me every step of the way. He has to, you know, he literally has to lead me up with everything for me to understand what's going on. Because I have no idea what's happened. That's my first, my first show. By my 200th show and my 33rd with pride or whatever it was, I'm like, I'm, I can, I didn't barely have to do anything. I mean, I'm researching all the whole week before. I've got my pattern down. I've got my rhythm. I'm reading on the plane on the way over to Japan. Oh, no, excuse me. That, those were in Vegas. I'm way over to Vegas. I'm getting everything squared away. Like I know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, now it's like it's perfect. New York right now is at the stage where I was on my first show at WEC. They don't really know what's going on yet because they don't have enough reps. They need more reps doing it. They can have a ton of fights. They can have a ton of, of, of local uh, promotions, pro promotions, but nothing is quite like the UFC when they show up. Nothing is quite like that. So you have to have a lot more reps to do that. And so if if uh, the UFC uh, jumps away from New York, it's not going to make them any better. It's not going to make New York any better because they're waiting for them to get better. You need the UFC to be there. You need Bellator to be there all the time to get, get these bigger events going on. New York will get better. Just like any other commission, more reps to get in, they will get better. And it's just unfortunate because the debacle that happened, uh, it was a Jermaine uh, 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 Dermonnery and, and Holly Holm fight, Right, that was the Madison Square Garden fight where Todd Anderson was refing. Am I correct in that? Where she kept throwing punches after the bell? Was that MSG? You might be right. Yeah, okay. But that was, but that was like, that was a big deal. You know, like she kept throwing after the bell. Todd's like, oh, so now all of a sudden it's a, it's a New York, it's a New York Commission uh, problem. Then this one with Anderson, or excuse me, with with uh, Weidman and with uh, Gagard, all of a sudden now it's a New York Commission problem. But really, look at those two situations, and I could be wrong on that on that home. Geronimo thing, but I, I think I'm correct in that, and that's what happened. Uh, that it's not a New York State Commission thing. If you notice, both those things were 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 uh, referee assignment things. They weren't not. They were not commission things. If those happened in any other commission, it would have been the same result because those referees handled those situations the way that they handled it. 
So it's it's really it really comes down to it's not like oh this uh, uh, it's not like um, uh, Tallgate with uh, with uh, Cormier making weight. It's not like Tallgate. By the way, by the way, uh, I so I don't, I don't know if you know Frank. I wasn't aware of that being one of the oldest tricks in the book. Uh, I, and I was just kind of like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Today, I tried it. I tried it. Uh, I have above my scale, in the, I've got a digital scale. Above my scale, I have one of those rings where you hang your towel over. So I, I stepped on the scale this morning after I did cardio. Yeah, I dropped some weight because I did some cardio sweating. Then I just put my fingers on the ring and I just like literally just touched the ring. Dude, I almost lost a pound. I was like, oh my God, this is for real. Yeah, it's um, yeah, that yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just we've been doing that stuff since like I started wrestling at twelve. I think by fourteen, we're trying to we're pulling that stuff off. Like it just you know you get away with you know, every athlete and every sport is gonna is gonna jump on the gray line. We're not gonna stay black and white. We jump right on that line and see what we can get away with. And you, you know we try to get away with it. And so yeah, for sure, Cormier put his hands on the towel, took off. You know you're not gonna lose a pound and a quarter in, in, in two and a half minutes, you know, but if that, if that, that he came back so fast, I don't want the towel to fall. I don't want the towel to fall, you know? Okay. okay, Whatever. You know, that, that's just, that's just what it is. You know, that, that's what the game is. And he got away with it. And so that, that, you know, understand that's a commission issue. That's the inspectors. And that's the head commissioner sitting there watching that way in. And he allowed that to happen or she allowed that to happen. I'm not sure he's a male or female, you know, that's a commission issue. These other things, aren't really New York issue problems. They aren't really New York problems, you know? If I were in there, to be honest with you, if I, if I was in there with, with instead of Dan during the Weidman fight, I probably would have done the exact the exact same way that things went down. I would have done the exact same thing. And I have no, and I don't have the qualifications to be in an event, in a main event like that right now. So I'm talking about, like, this is a guy, Dan Rigolato, who's got, like, hundreds, you know, thousands of fights ref, and he's in there, and I probably would have done it just, I would probably would have done it the exact same way, if not worse. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's not it's not a a, a uh, or I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like Dan did something wrong. He didn't do anything wrong, but I would have done it probably the exact same way, right? And so now you're in a situation where it doesn't matter. It's not the commission. The commission didn't, didn't bring me in. Dan was there. John McCarthy was there. Those guys were refereeing, and that's what happened. So I think it, it would have met, doesn't make a difference who was in that position at that time, no matter what the referee was in. It could have been Todd Edison was there refereeing as well. Uh, he could he could have been in the ring. And it would have happened the same way. John could have been in the ring. It would have happened the same way. Like, it doesn't, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, these things just happen. That fight happened the way that fight happened, no matter what commission it was in. It's not New York. But New York gotcha. is New They got stuff they got to fix. All right, Graham, Will- Graham Williams has jumped on the chat. Uh, I'll get to your question in a second, Graham. I, I want to go really quickly with another one from Casey Walton. He says, uh, Joe, with your boy Kamara Usman on a hot streak, if you could line up his next three fights en route to a title shot, uh, who would you like to see him defeat to earn that shot? Now, my, my, the problem with this being a what-if question, uh, Casey, is if you do the math, so right now Camaro had a fantastic fight versus Sean Strickland. Uh, really good fight, dominating fight. He's called out Neil Magny. Uh, in order to get the next two or three fights after that, let's just do the math hypothetically. A fighter competes every three, three and a half months. Uh, that's about a year from now to determine what's going to happen and whether or not Camaro will get a title shot. The landscape at 170 pounds will change so much within a year uh, I mean, history has proven that, that it's really difficult to say who he should be fighting. Because if you look at guys above him in the ranking right now, you've got Gunnar Nelson, who just, who's victorious. And he said he doesn't want to fight Gunnar Nelson because he doesn't think Gunnar Nelson uh, will bring the striking aspect. Cerrone's there. He's taken on uh, Robbie Lawler. Uh, he's already called uh, the stun gun out, but the stun gun has an opponent. Uh, Masvidal's taken on Damian Maya, so maybe the winner of that. Uh, maybe the winner of Lawler and Cerrone. It all depends on that. And Stephen Thompson just came out of a title fight. Maybe him uh, in the future. Tyron's the champ. So it's very difficult to say what I would want for Kush, uh, for Kamaru, basically, in, in the future. In my opinion, focus on the one fight, Neil Magny, who I think would be a fantastic fight uh, for Kamaru, and then we just take it step by step from there. Frank, what do you say? So isn't he ranked 14th or something right now? Or was ranked 14th before the fight? Yeah, Kamaru's number 10 as we speak. And so he got moved up to 10. So you're talking about putting him in a position where he's going to be fighting guys that are that are way ahead of him, way, way ahead of him at this point in the rankings. Now, of course, you're going to jump every, you know, you're going to jump two or three spots every time it's your fight. Neil Magny fight's a perfect fight, but the problem is 
you didn't you forgot to mention one cat in that whole mess. We're still missing GSP. So where does he go in this whole mess? Does he stay up at 85 if he beats Bisbane? Does he come back? Does he go down to 70 and try to challenge Tyron Woodley? Like, what's he going to do? This is – so the landscape of 170 changes within a year normally. Like, you know, 170, 170 185, the kind of landscapes kind of change because that's the, the biggest bell curve where most people are uh, uh, height weight-wise. Then you add in, you know, a guy that's trying to be the greatest fighter of all time in GSP. Also, now you put him in that mix, the whole thing gets switched up. It, uh, uh, and then add into is Usman going to fight four times this year? Is he going to try to fight every three months? I don't and think so. You're looking at two fights this year. You know what I'm saying? And he's got, you know, he, he's always, he trains really hard, really hard all the time. So he's always got some tweaked little, you know, uh, ag- uh, not uh, agonizing, but uh, annoying. Knowing knee injury, ankle injury, shoulder injury, hand injury, because he's always training. He's always just, he's always out there and he's going hard as balls the entire time, which is why he's you know five and zero in, in, in the UFC. Uh, he, I really don't think he's going to go that fast. I think I agree with you. The Neil Magny fight, concentrate on that. It's a great fight. It's a fan fight. It's going to be it's going to be super smart and 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 it's very very good to go to go along with. And then to be honest with you, Gunnar Nelson's a really tough fight for him. It's a super tough fight for him. Um, well, Camaro does say he's the best grappler at 170 yeah. pounds. And you got Gunnar Nelson and Damian Maia in that division. So, yeah. pretty bold statement from Camaro. Yeah, it's it's tough. He's he's in a, he's getting up to a spot where he's gonna be like, I really got to buckle down. I really got to get super scientific in my weight in my training camps because these guys coming after me are gonna be tough. You know, you got the best. You have honestly, uh, uh, I think Rogan says it quite a bit. He thinks that Damian Maia is the best grappler and best submission guy in MMA right now. And man, Gunnar Nelson is—if he's not the best, he's damn near right there on his nipping on his heels because that ki- that kid—and he doesn't care. Like he's got you knocked out. He wants to look for a submission. Yeah, that's what he did in this last fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Graham Williams, do either of you see more fighters becoming involved with acting slash media work in an attempt to expand their relevancy and value to the UFC, as well as become more comfortable and adept at selling fights? I, I think that's a fair assessment it's a fair question but it's up to the individual because some guys and girls can't act their life dependent on it they can't get in front of a microphone and do any media work let alone answer questions in an interview because uh, i've worked with a few people that you know they co-hosted my tv show at the time and it was horrendous i've done interviews frank uh with people where i'm like yeah third question in we're only 45 seconds into this interview i'm already on my third question wrap this up. This thing's a minute and 30 seconds. So it all depends on the individual. Uh, we, they do have social media now, but there are options to get out there. But that's, you know, that's a very, very, um, it, it's almost systematic. Uh, what do you make of that? I, I just interviewed uh, uh, Scotty Holtzman, um, who's fighting the UFC on April 21st. Uh, last yesterday, I actually interviewed him. And I love interviewing that guy because he is, he's very country. He's very manufactured. You know, I mean, I, I'd love to tell you that the, that the, uh, the weight cut was great. I'd love to tell you that, that getting up at, at 6 in the morning to go cut my last three or four pounds is, is awesome before the 9 a.m. weigh-in. I'd like to tell you I felt great walking into my walking into my fight. But uh, without the IVs, man, I didn't feel good. I just, I just didn't feel good. He's very straight. He's very manufactured. And we had a conversation. That kid will never be an actor. That kid <laughs> will never be a commentator. He's going to be very manufactured. He's going to tell you just like it is. And give you, he's going to give you an honest opinion. Not going to lie. He's not going to cheat. Not going to steal. But he is not going to hype you up. To a guy like Bisbing, the man will always be in front of the camera. The camera always finds a way to find him. He's always going to be polarizing. He's always going to be a guy that people want to pay attention to, whether he's acting or doing commentating work. Now, to answer the, uh, I'm sorry, I, I apologize for forgetting his name, but the the, the, the person that asked the question, do we see more people going into to, to acting and commentating work, more fighters to expand their style? No, I don't see more people doing it. I see the same amount that's always been doing it. The same amount that's always been trying to get into it. The problem is now, or the, the benefit is now, there's more opportunity. We all were trying to get on and to be commentators. We're all were trying to be actors and stunt guys and trying to get, you know, get those sideline jobs and get extra income coming in. We've all been trying to do that. There's just more opportunity now because when, when I walk into some places to get a stunt job, uh, like today I applied for a stunt job before we started the show um, in, in L.A. For a, for a pretty big fight scene. Uh, that, that's coming up, and they're looking for a Middle, a middle Eastern thug, which I play a lot of middle, middle Eastern guys. So I, I applied for it, and the stunt coordinator I've never worked for before, never worked for him before, but in my signature on my email, it says UFC Hall of Fame. It's got um, a photo of the Hall of Fame trophy and my headshot. 
in it that I send that I send over to the stunt guys. Guy answered back, holy crap, this really is you. I saw your name come across. I wasn't sure if it was really you. Uh, uh, oh, my God, I remember all your fights. It's awesome. I'm putting the top of the list. You get in for the stunt job. Dude, I haven't fought in seven years. <laughs> and this guy is like, oh, my God. He, he, so he's like that Hall of Fame piece, that UFC title to it, has got me in front of now it's to the director, and the director's got to make a decision if he likes my look, likes my real, you know, that whole game comes on to it. But it gave me an opportunity to get to the top. When you're Tyron Woodley, and, and who's also doing stunts actively, he walks into a place, you're like, oh, he, he's a champ. He's a champ right now in the UFC. Boom, right to the top. Right, right to the top. You get a guy like, like Dominic Cruz. You get a guy like Bisbing. You get a guy like uh, uh, Fabricio Verdun, who's getting a lot of heat right now for, for, being a, the, um, for something he's doing overseas. But these guys all get moved to the top of the list. So these guys have opportunity and more opportunity because there's, the UFC's expanded so much. There's so much more space for these guys. But no, we're not going to see any more guys getting into it. It's still the same amount, which is 90% of all the fighters are trying to do this stuff. All right, we're going to have to do some rapid fire because we've got about six minutes left in the show. We'll be super quick uh, with some of these answers, guys. Uh, lots of stuff coming up there on the live chat, and we've got to get to really quick to UFC Kansas. Um, uh, Roy Soria asked, do you think there's any way that the UFC can find Rumble Johnson because he looked like he didn't give a bleep about that fight? People are saying they potentially threw that fight and or was looking for an easy way out. I don't think they'll be able to find him. I don't think they'll be able to do anything, to be honest with you, because the UFC uh, or the commission pays him uh, based on what the UFC put out there in the contract. Um, but I see where, where, where Roy's going with this. Uh, your thoughts, Frank? Yeah, it looked like it looked like he was already set on retirement. It looked like he's already set to get out, you know. Um, and he was going to retire if he won the belt. He was out. So he's already got a job. He's already got... Something set up. Uh, our understanding is it's in football someplace, um, not as an athlete uh, in the in the in the executive office or in the in the strength and conditioning room. Um, that's the last, last rumor. It's just a rumor. It's the last rumor I heard. But yeah, he looked like he wanted out. Like you know, you don't you don't grapple Daniel Cormier. You punch him. That's what that if you're if you're AJ, that's what you're gonna do. He didn't do that. It looked like he's like he's very okay with and content with his with his uh, fight career. He's out. He's ready to move on. Anthony Agley, salute there to both you, to both you, Joe and Frank. Uh, do you think if Manoa doesn't get either Jones or Cormier next, since the division is so shallow, should he fight Glover next? Well, unfortunately, Glover's fighting um, uh, uh, Alexander Gustafson, so that's something you'd have to look at. And considering Gustafson uh, and um, and Jimmy basically trained together, they've already fought. Uh, I, I could see where that fight does make sense, but it's another one of those situations, Frank, where the variables, you know, the, the, the starters have to sort of align. But I do get what Anthony's saying because, unfortunately, with Rumble leaving this division, it was so top-heavy, and now you remove another guy from the top there. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah, they're, they're, they're looking for new talent for sure at, at that weight class. they got to find some new talent. they got to get some new guys built up. I don't know what they're going to do with Minowa because, really, the, the fight everybody wants to see is D.C. Jones. That's the fight everybody wants to see. DC doesn't want that fight, rightfully so. Uh, Jones is cheating. Uh, now he came out, you know, uh, 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 you know, the dick pills were, you know, everyone should be taking dick pills or whatever. I'm like, you're just a, now you're just a moron. Like, you, you obviously have not learned anything. You've not got any better years at this point. So, you know, I get DC. said that. Go ahead, Joe. What, uh, what Jones said to the media, to all of us, you guys should do it. And I was like, oh, John, John. Yeah, like, I, I just I've given up on that kid. So <clears throat> they're they're uh, uh, I get DC's point of not want to fight him and totally want to be, you know wanting to skip him because he, he cheated. He's been caught cheating. He's been caught having problems. Like why why have that fight? I can see DC and Manuel fighting next uh, to make Jones stall and make Jones have to fight. And Dana White came out and said, "Yeah, I'm not going to make him. I'm not going to make him a main event. I'm making him a co-main event because he's been known not to show up. He's got to prove to me." So that that's my feeling of Dana saying, "You're not getting a title shot. You got to get a couple fights in first, or at least one fight in before you yeah. get in." You know, so I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be, uh, it could be Minowa Jones for number one contender, for sure. Yeah, Vinny Fernando makes a funny point, though. We are looking at a situation where Shogun is a win and an injury away from a title shot. You know what, Vinny? Uh, I wouldn't doubt that, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, he, is. he really is. 
UFC Kansas, Frank, uh, Demetrius Johnson, uh, he is headlining another show on Fox. People are saying this guy deserves to be on pay-per-view. Unfortunately, we live in a society uh, that looks at mixed martial arts where bigger is better, and a guy that's, at, that's 125 pounds, arguably the perfect mixed martial artist, cannot get any love, does not sell. People will not buy those pay-per-views, even if you, you know, put him on a co-main event. You're not buying because Demetrius Johnson, which absolutely sucks in my opinion. But Sean Ross Sapp made a really good point. The UFC should go out there and promote this guy in a manner that shows him beating the crap out of big people, whether in training, whether it's dudes off the street, and show that a 125-pound fighter is a dominant force when guys think they're 210 pounds and can beat up a guy who's half their size. I thought, you know what? That's a pretty cool, pretty cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> Another buzzkill. Here we go. I just, I Come mean, on, Frank. DJ's in a really bad spot. He's about to be the best. He's probably the best fighter in the world right now. He's about to be in a situation where he ties in some of his record, and that's not where he's going to stop. He can go through and, and smash through that record, too. Like, it's just what he's going to do. They got to do a better job promoting it. They have to. You got a, you got a great – I mean, Mayweather was, what, 147 pounds, 142 pounds? He wasn't a heavyweight, but everyone loved him. Why did everybody love him? Because he self-promoted. They promoted him. They put him out there, you know. He did his antics, whatever. DJ's not that kind of, he's not a Mayweather type where he's going to have a lot of those antics and stuff. He likes to play video games. He likes to stay home and hang out with his wife and kids. Like, that's just who he is. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he, doesn't do, he doesn't do any commentating detail at all. He doesn't get on a mic at all. He just likes to train and fight and spend time with his family. They're, uh, uh, they're having a real hard time with him. You're right, man. He cannot, cannot headline a pay-per-view. There's just no, no one's buying any numbers. They're just not doing it. And in your disrespect, we're making him a co-main event. He's just unfortunately stuck to being fight night guy. That's just what's going to happen. That's just how it goes. And it sucks because he's a champ. He should be getting pay-per-view money, but you're not on pay-per-view cards. What are you going to do? Where's the extra money coming from? So what's the UFC doing for him in the back? Because, look, that's, you know, potentially for guys like McGregor, it's an extra million dollars. You know, for some guys, an extra five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000. Like, there's extra money to be made, you know, when you're on a pay-per-view card. And he's not making it. He's on his fight night cards. So I don't know what they're doing in the background or what happened with his with his uh, with his thing. Um, DJ, I mean, I'm a 200 pound man, and I'm I'm a former highly trained athlete. DJ's gonna give me problems at at 135 pounds, whatever he weighs, walking around at. Like he's gonna give me issues. I'm gonna have to grab his little square head and smash it against the wall a couple of times. Maybe <laughs> he's gonna give me problems. Yeah. He's a guy that can beat up. He can beat up most of humanity up to about 200 up to about 250 pounds. Most of the guys walking around the street, he can smash. Up to, up to about 250 pounds. Get a guy that's kind of trained, kind of knows what he's doing. He'll start having problems around 210, 215. But he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. He's an amazing fighter. And like you said, the best fighter that there is right now. Like, he, he, he has the perfect – he's got the perfect fight game. All right. We got one minute, five fights. You ready? Go. Alexander Volkov at heavyweight taking on Roy Nelson. Nelson. You think Nelson's going to win, eh? Yeah, yeah. I, I just like I just like the way Nelson went through his training camp. I like he's got in his corner. He's got all the extreme couture guys in his corner from from Vegas, and I just like his attitude. Like his attitude's kind of kind of snippy and a little a little snappy like it used to be. It's gonna be close. all right. Uh, going, f- yeah, I think so. Uh, going from almost defeating Frankie Edgar to now fighting Henato Moicano, Jeremy Stevens versus Henato Moicano. Holy, is the pressure on Jeremy Stevens on this fight? Yeah, he's got a lot of pressure on him. This fight should be a, a good win for him. But he's, I don't know how he's going to deal with the pressure right now because he didn't do very well against the Frankie Edgar pressure. So let's see what happens with Jeremy. I'm leaning towards Jeremy. Ronaldo Jacare Souza and Robert Whitaker. Man, that one I got to leave alone. I can't even tell you who to pick. That one, I'm just going to sit down and put a beer in my hand and enjoy my, with my feet up. That fight is going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. But you got to think off the top. You got to think, hey, it's Jacare going to win that fight. But who the hell knows? Man, Whitaker is a stud. I think Jacare pulls it off. I just uh, He's just magic to me. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. Uh, co-main event. Women's strawweight bout. Rose Namajunas taking on the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. Karate hottie just because of her experience level. Um, she's got more time in. She knows how to battle back through deep things, but you can never count Rose out, man. Doug Rose has got her game put together. She's getting better all the time. Um, she's finally you know establishing herself as, as being – she's always been gritty and tough, but now she's starting to establish herself as a, as a, uh, a tactician, but I'm leaning towards karate hottie. I'm going to go with Rose Namajunas in that one. Uh, main event, Demetrius Money Mouse Johnson defending his title, looking to become uh, a 
etch his, his place in UC history, mixed martial arts history, taking on Wilson Hayes. Uh, your thoughts on this one, quick. DJ, for sure. Like, DJ's going to run through him. You know, I mean, it's not going to be a first round. 25 minutes? Sorry? It, it's not going to be a first rounder. It's going to be like third or fourth round. It's going to be later. Yeah, for sure it's going to be later. It's going to be his cardio is going to overcome him, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, Hayes is going to fall apart. Stranger things have happened, Frank. Can you imagine? We hear and new UFC flyweight chat. It, I, you know, it's hey, MMA, man. man. <laughs> keeps us keeps us in a job for one more week because <laughs> we'll have some exactly. <laughs> All right. And speaking of the next week, uh, before we say goodbye, make sure you do follow him at Frank Trigg on social media. What do you got going on over the next week, Frank? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We had uh, Triple Triple Frontier, the movie that was being shot here with Tom Hardy and uh, and Channing Tatum. Uh, Paramount just canceled it, so we're all we're all of us were booked for and doing pre prep and pre vis, and we're all getting ready to do a lot of stuff starting next week. And they just came down the pipeline that Paramount's canceling the movie. So right now I got nothing going on. Trying to, I'm unemployed, trying to find a job. Unemployed, growing a beard, probably doing some sailing. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. actually I'm going sailing. Uh, going sailing this afternoon, I think, or tomorrow. Say Thursday. Tomorrow, I'm going sailing tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, I'm going sailing. Tough gig. Tough gig. But we thank you again for your time. We know it's super early. It's not a beast out of my little my little head. Like it's gotta keep reapplying stuff. You know, sometimes the, the, the ice melts before you get back, so the beer isn't always as cold as it used to be. Like it's it's tough out there. It's a hard life. Don't hurt your shoulders. Do not hurt your shoulders. Rotator cuff injuries suck, Frank. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you do follow him online. It's super early in the morning there uh, in Hawaii, but we do thank you, Frank, uh, for always joining us. Follow him online at Frank Trigg on all his social media. He does run all of his social media himself. He does not have anyone hired uh, to answer your questions. If he doesn't answer uh, or, or reply right away, uh, give him time. If it's a valid question or concern, he'll, he, he will reply, but just give him time. Uh, you can follow us here at Fightful of May at you. Yours truly, Joe Farrell, can be found at Showdown Joe. Tomorrow, the Fightful MMA podcast will likely go off uh, around 12.30 p.m. Uh, I am securing the guest uh, as soon as I'm done here. Uh, it'll be an interesting guest, uh, to say the least. We, we will either have someone that is going to break down the fights better than every guest, including myself, uh, on this podcast, very analytical person. Uh, if not, we will have someone that uh, probably drops a lot of F-bombs. Uh, so I'm just juggling between which one uh, is available. Uh, and when I find out, uh, I will make sure I, I send it out there via social media. We thank all of you who tuned in live. We thank you, everyone uh, who joined us on the uh, on the live chat. Uh, to those tuned in now, thank you very much. I say it all the time, guys. Before you come on, you tell one friend. Just tell one friend uh, to come join and, and watch the podcast or download the podcast. We will grow exponentially if we do that. Just one friend is all we're asking for. Uh, to those that have tuned in on iTunes and on Stitcher afterwards, we thank you as well. Don't forget, tell a friend. But until then, till tomorrow, 1230 Eastern, we say ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.